Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wenza Burns, along my counterpart, Stavon Morse. How's it going, man? It's doing good, man. Just trying to stay warm out of this cold weather. Stay warm. That is the motto. Stay warm right now. <laughs> um, but, but we have a lot of topics to get into tonight, as usual, and, um, dealing with uh, some NFL topics, obviously, with the divisional round coming up. Um, some NBA topics, a few album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of the film Juice, but start off with just thoughts on the 49ers road win in Dallas and um, just how the game ended. Um, this past Sunday, San Francisco was able to win by six and they overcame an inter- interception by Garoppolo when they led by 13 in the fourth quarter. Um, this is also the second first round exit the Cowboys have had in three seasons over uh, over the last um, six seasons, I-, I mean. And the biggest headline of the game was just you know how it ended when Dak took off on a design run and slid at the end of a 17-yard run um, with about eight seconds to go, then um, the umpire, uh, Ramon George, bumped, bumped Prescott um, trying to set the spot, and the next snap came after the clock expired. But what are kind of your thoughts on San Francisco just coming on the road and winning this game and also just how the game ended in such a bizarre fashion? I think everybody <laughs> thought 49ers were to come in and actually mm-hmm. in, be successful uh, against, the, against the Dallas Cowboys. Even my head coach <laughs> said they were... <laughs> <laughs> We're focused on and studying what what 49 is going to do for the divisional round. And it's no knock not against the the Cowboys. 49 has just looked good these past seven games, leading going into the playoffs, going yeah. into the wild card. They were on a hot streak. They were on a definitely hot streak. No one can figure out Debo Samuels. It's the same thing with Tyree Keel mm. when he first got in the league. Matchup nightmare. Matchup nightmare. The guy could run, throw. He can do all the things. They get him the ball. That's what I love about the 49ers. They make sure their top guys get the ball with any any form, any in any sense of football, they're gonna get them the ball. And then, you know, Dak Prescott looked like two years ago, Dak Prescott. He started out hot in the regular season to be dudded out. The offense, the, the running game wasn't there with Zeke or uh Pollard. Uh the wide receiver, the Amari Cooper can't get open, so it just looked sluggish. And then going back to the last play. If you've been watching football for (laughs) all of your life. For any extended amount of time. (laughs) You know a quarterback draw with 10 seconds left is not the proper play to run. It's always a five-out dig or a 10-out dig or come back to get out of bounds quick. Like, when I saw the play, I was like, are they really doing this? Like, do they really think this is going to work? They understood. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they understood or they thought that they're going to get a better spot or whatever the case may be. But yeah. it's football. We know your IQ has to be strong. We know quarterback draw. It doesn't give your offense a lot of time to get at because they're actually mm. run blocking. They're passing the run blocking to make sure the defensive line doesn't get to you. And it's hard for everybody to get set up in that amount a lot of the time. So yeah. hats off to the 49ers continuing their win streak. It's about to about to die tomorrow because they're gonna play us. <laughs> and uh He's already he's already giving a shout out. He's already giving a shout out. <laughs> you know I got go pack go, man. Let's come over. Come over. <laughs> You're actually sorry. I already knew. I already knew. <laughs> Uh, but 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 in terms of like what's next for uh, for Dallas and, and maybe like some of their their up like upcoming moves like in terms of how this team is constructed and just the surrounding questions of them not able to have deep playoff or deep postseason runs like what do you think is maybe one of the solutions or things they can work on in the future to get to get farther in the playoffs? I think they try to address it every single year. It's always they don't have weapons on wide receiver core. You go get Amari Cooper one year, you get Gallup. 
you get C.D. Lamb in, in last year's or I think a year ago, two years ago, um, draft from Oklahoma. You go get Zeke. You polish stepped up. You got the strong offensive line. You paid that Briscott. You go get Parsons. You, it's a lot yeah. of stuff they they address. I don't think they're meant to be a playoff or a Super Bowl with a team anymore. I think that the juice or with the Those days are the over. oil from the lantern is, is, is ran dry. The, the back repeat you have with uh, Troy Aikman and the and and you know Emmitt Smith and all those big time guys, I think that time is up. The biggest run they have was in 2014 when they played us, and then they they lost. Just a, it was a catch. Yeah, it was a catch. <laughs> Are you drinking tea, Walter? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of kind of sick. <laughs> I'm kind of the weather. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I didn't even laugh. I was just like, oh, wait, are you trying to put me in a sucking place, bro? Like, I thought we were better than that. What, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? We'll probably get some out. We'll probably get some out. Because I heard that. I was like, I know that sound. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, um, <laughs> but 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 now getting into the Rams, just dominant win versus the Cardinals, and just kind of like um, thoughts on the, on the struggles Arizona faced. Because as we saw, like, this Arizona team was one that, Really started season off off strong, um, barely. Uh, I believe only lost one game in their in their first eight. And you know, in this game, LA had just an, an emphatic dominant uh, win at home by twenty three. And Matthew Stafford passed for uh, two hundred two yards and two touchdowns and ran for another score in, in his first playoff uh, win. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup made um, touchdown catches as well. And Von Miller added six tackles and a key early early sack. But kind of just what are your takeaways from how potent offensively um, the Rams looked and just you know how their defense was thoroughly dominant. You know, the the Rams, uh, Matthew Stafford didn't have to do much this game. He just managed the game. Whatever the defense gave him, the running game was working a little bit with Sonny Michelle and Cam Makers. Shout out to Cam Makers coming back from ACL, man, and being able to play in the playoffs. And you, you have Odell Beckham with his first touchdown in the, in the playoffs. Five catches I think he had for like 40, 45, 48 yards. It just everything yeah. was in motion. It clicked. Everything was clicking. It was clicking. We talked about, I think, last week or the week before that podcast, we said, like, the Rams losing to the 49ers going into uh, the wild cards. Like, mm, I don't know, man. They got to step it up. They, you want to go. And yeah. you, you was on a hot streak. Now you're on a cold streak. Now they realize they beat a really good Arizona Cardinals team um, last exactly. week. But the, think of Arizona's offense. They were not in sync at all. At all. Oh, not even the, the running game normally is more consistent than that, and especially in a running game, meaning uh, Kyler Murray's his footwork, his, his, his ability to extend plays and get out get out the pocket and, and get some yards down the field. He, he didn't look like himself. He looked sluggish. Two interceptions, that's not like him. 127 yards, I think he threw, not like him. And the defense had, I mean, Von Miller looked good. I think he had six tackles, six tackles in the sack. Now he's revived. So it's a, a lot of things was working for the LA Rams. It just Arizona did look like Arizona for some odd reason. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely. And, and I mean, like for, for the Rams going into Tampa Bay, and obviously Tampa Bay's offensive line is is not it, it, it's not one hundred percent. They're they're not the same Super Bowl team that they were last year. But obviously they have that Super Bowl experience and they have the greatest quarterback ever. Like like how. How confident are you that di- like 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 this team can go in there? I- I'm not asking asking you to give a prediction, but like kind of kind of just what are your early thoughts on how that matchup could play out with with the win they just just came off of? We've seen what Tampa Bay's defensive ends can do, how they can change the course of the game. Last year, going into the Super Bowl, it happened. 
uh, yeah. with the Kansas City Chiefs. It happened with the Green Bay Packers. Two guys, Jason Pierre-Paul and, uh, geez, what's the other? Barrett, JT Barrett. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys wreak havoc on the offensive line. It was injured. They were young guys in a matter. It changes the course of the game. If Von Miller and the rest of that defensive line can wake up against Tom Brady, it's going to be a nightmare for them. If that's not the best offensive line, they still have one of one of the credible sophomore guys in Worth. What a pickup he has. He still has been a great asset to that offensive line, but he's just one guy. If Von Miller and those other guys can step up and, and, and cause some pressure on Tom Brady, who gets the ball out faster than anybody, I think it's like point, point mm-hmm. 0.1 seconds or 1.2 one yeah, seconds. Point one second, and the season has a fast <laughs> release. But if they can get to him, it's going to change the course of the mm-hmm. game. We've seen that in the, in the last years and the years before that with the defense. Excuse me, yeah. with the defense. In. So, yeah. If Von Miller can get to him, it can change the course of the game. Definitely. And, and now getting into just kind of thoughts on the most intriguing AFC divisional round and also the NFC divisional round game. Um, you know, B- Bill's Chiefs is, to me, the, the standout game um, of, of maybe like the entire divisional round because of, of just how like these two quarterbacks and Josh Allen and, and Mahomes and how, you know, the, the Bills were able to, to win convincingly at Kansas City earlier in the season. And then Kansas City, they're, both teams are coming off dominant wins. And this, this should be like, a really high-powered game, and then as you were just mentioning, um, Bucks Rams. I feel as though with with the defensive line that that the Rams have, and then just how that offensive line for Tampa Bay is not one hundred percent healthy. I feel like that's going to be just a very intriguing contrast. But to you, kind of like what are what are your two intriguing games for this weekend? I know Green Bay is one of them. Obviously, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. This I think this is a redemption year for Green Bay. Uh, I like San Francisco. Yeah. We've we've had San Francisco 49ers number for a couple couple of uh, games now. Um, I think we we yeah. figured them out. I think we could keep Debo in the wrap so we get Zaire Alexander back. He'll he'll shadow him um a lot around the field and we get one of our big time defensive ends back in uh Z Smith. So I'm like, really excited mm-hmm. what the Smith brothers can Smith Bros or Smith Brothers, whatever I call them back in the day, can do to to get <laughs> some pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen Jimmy crack under the pressure. When he's when his defensive lineman in his face, we got a lot of guys on that defensive line who can get to him, and I'm really excited about that. But I'm still with the young guys, man. I like the Cincinnati and the Tennessee game. What Tennessee did and what how they ended up still yeah. in the playoffs without two of their top guys and Julio Jones and um, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry. So that's man, that's no small feat, bro. Like that's really really good of them to be in there because they're. <laughs> They, he was going to be the number one rusher. Let's 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 be honest. Oh yes, Julio was extremely healthy. He was going to be the number one guy. But then you look at this young Joe Burrow. You look at what they're doing over there, man. I'm really excited. This is second game of the second game of the playoffs. Can they beat Tennessee to go to the the conference championship? You think they can? I think they definitely can. They're on fire, bro. The defense. I got Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think Cincinnati can go. I think they're on fire, bro. I think they got the right opponents in the in this playoffs, the right opponents, and they have Tennessee. I'm not saying Tennessee's a sleeper. I mean, like, you know, just it's all about show, the matchups. It's all about exactly. It's all about the matchups yeah. and the teams because Tennessee Titans defense is not that strong anymore. And mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about the running game. And that's not good against uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You don't want that. No. <laughs> you don't want to have a, a week. <laughs> no. And then it's just I, I slept on their wide receiving core at Cincinnati. Bro, like Holy Toledo. So I don't think anybody with the Tennessee Titans can hold Jamar Chase one-on-one. They're going to probably do a lot of uh, cover two, two safety over tops, or uh, a lot of cover one zone. 
but I don't think that's going to work. And then they know how to run a game to scare people. So it, it's crazy how good – if your running game is so it good, is. you can you can make the defense real scared of you. But without Derrick Henry, no one's going to – excuse me, no one's going to be scared of that the running game. So they're going to be able to throw different things at Ryan Tannehill. So it's going to be super interesting. Definitely. So, so what would be your pick for, for Buffalo KC? Ooh. I'm going to say Buffalo. I think Buffalo has okay. a chip on their shoulder from last year. I think they'll realize how good they are again by beating the Patriots, by doing a couple of things before the wildfire race. I think they're in the right mindset. I think I think mm. Allen is back. I think that defense is back. I think everybody is realizing what they have accomplished with this young quarterback. They're peaking, they're peaking at the right time. Exactly. I and, and you know, I think Kansas City Chiefs is still is they're human. We've seen that all season. They they crept in now. They they were on a winning streak, and they, they got into the playoffs, and they were doing some of the things they've done previous years, Super Bowl runs, all that good stuff. But I think people are not – But you're still not completely sold. No, no one's the, scared of them not, anymore. Yeah. No one's scared of them anymore. Mm. They, they're not scared of Andy Reid's playbook. They're not scared of Patrick Mahomes throwing it sideways anymore, Tyreek Kill. They've obliterated the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, but Pittsburgh Steelers is nowhere near the Buffalo Bills. And that's something to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. something to say. <laughs> the, the fact that you can actually say that. So I, I, yeah. I think that everybody's human. Everybody's seeing that, man, okay, we can we can figure out how to stop Tyreek. We can figure out how to stop Tyreek in the running game. I mean, Jared McKinnon looks good, but he's he's more effective in the pass game. But they'll figure that out too. So. And, and Rams, Bucks, what, what would you would you give the side edge to the Rams? Ooh. Mm. Because because I, I mean I, it, it is still one of those things. There, it's tough to beat Tom at his home, but I mean this Rams defense is legit. I think I'll give it to Tampa Bay. I give it to Tampa Bay because I don't think they'll get to Tom Brady, even with the the offense. Yeah, he gets it out so quick, and so. that's the that's the difference. That, like like the, that's the variable you have to look at. And he's yeah. and he's in his forties, still releasing like he was just fresh out of Michigan. So that's if they we see Von Miller change the course of a game. It was a big mm-hmm. game, the Super Bowl, though one of the Super Bowls with with uh the uh the Broncos against Cam oh, yeah. Newton. He changed the course of that game. Mm-hmm. So if I don't know if he's the same, he's the same guy, but if he can do that, then I'm then then you know that's the difference maker. But I don't think he can. I don't I don't think he can get to Tom Brady like that. It's tough to yeah, it's it's tough to beat the GOAT. It's it's, it's just in any scenario. Yeah. Except for Green Bay and for the NFC Championship. <laughs> no, redemption. <laughs> I'm not, not going to jinx you. I'm not going to jinx you. <laughs> redemption. <laughs> um, but, but transitioning to, to the NBA and just kind of um, thoughts on, on Cam, Cam Reddish's trade to the Knicks. Um, this last Thursday was when it officially took place as the Knicks in a trade um, with the Hawks sent Kevin Knox and a 2022 first-round draft pick via the Hornets to the Hawks for Reddish. And when you look back at his time with the Hawks, you know, he was the, the 10th pick in the 2019 draft and was on just a very packed Hawks roster of talented young wing players and eventually just, you know, got lost in the shuffle. But to you kind of just like, what are your thoughts on this trade and how it benefits uh, the Knicks and Hawks? I think they get a, uh, a versatile six foot eight big guy who can, who can play the four, who can possibly play the five. And he can, he can yeah. do a couple of things. I think in this new rotation, I think he'd be better. I don't think he was utilized mm-hmm. to his full, you know, capabilities, and I think he will get the opportunity to do so because he's still a young guy. He still has some learning to do. I think he still is a development, but I think if they put him in the right role, 
I think he can he can flourish, and I think he can do that with the Knicks. He'll make his debut in Charlotte. I'm I'm excited because you you know Cam coming out of college, dude was dude's nice. He, he had all the yeah. attributes that you wanted in, in, in a uh, in a three and a four, but he still needs to develop a little bit, and I think the Knicks can do that. And he's going to be playing on a legendary you know arena, so hopefully that'll oof it up a little bit, you know. Motivation. Strip the Black Panther out of him a little bit, then refurbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 in terms of even before we get to our next topic, the with with what we've seen from Jokic and Embiid, because they have been having like MVP caliber seasons, um, Embiid has been putting just up career high numbers, and Jokic is is keeping that team afloat even with the injuries that they've been having. But like to you, in terms of just like the MVP watch, and especially those two players, like. Which one has kind of had like had a more impressive season to you so far? I think Jokic, and a lot of and I, I yeah. saw Stephen A. say something about I would take um, Joel Embiid over him because uh, Joel Embiid has more playoff wins or something like that. Joel Embiid never had right. to carry a team by himself when multiple of the star players like Murray um, mm-hmm. goes out, and Jokic is the only one has to carry any team. Joel Embiid could never. Well, I would say never. He hasn't put in, have been put in that situation. You haven't seen him in that exactly. position yet. I haven't put yeah. in that situation, that position to be able to do that. We've seen Jokic do it for like three years now. So I'll take Jokic over him any day. Jokic's got a backbone, man. Jokic don't play. Jokic, Jokic does not. Jokic's a backup with his sin. Joel Embiid's just a big crybaby at times. He's a good player, but he's just a big crybaby. <laughs> And, and that and that's really like the, the, imp- the impressive thing with Jokic is the fact that he can do this without some of their best players. Like Jamal Murray is still out, and he, he's keeping this team in t- top top six of of the West. And I think that's uh, just a major standout. But uh, transitioning to to Katie's time away with an MCL injury, and just I mean, obviously how this Im- impacts Brooklyn. Um, this past Saturday night, Durant suffered his um suffered this injury in his left knee after sustaining the uh, injury in Brooklyn's win over the Pelicans, and he's expected to return to full strength following a period of rehabilitation. But the Nets did not provide a specific timeline regarding Durant's return. But him being out four to six weeks is currently his expected time out. Uh, to you, like obviously, like with this team, we, we've seen them like the, the 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 big three not be together as yeah. much. Obviously, with Kyrie being part part time, and then um, uh, Durant having to to really like shoulder the load in that past postseason because Harden was did not look like himself because he he still was coming uh coming off of an injury as well but to you just in terms of Durant being being away for this stretch what do you think like this team has to do to to, to step up and just stay afloat in these four to six weeks I gotta do a couple of things but just a just a harp on what you just said carry the load oh he's definitely been carrying the load with 29 yes. points set averaging seven rebounds and like six assists the guy's been really caring we've seen Durant carry teams and be the number one guy on every team he's yes for years. Every team's mm-hmm. been on OKC, <laughs> even the Warriors, even now. And to not be able to see this big three resurge, if you will, again off an injury or whatever a political view or whatever the case may be, it's going to be extremely difficult for Brooklyn to live without KD at the moment. And, it, and I know you say, well, they should have James Harden. We see what James Harden can do, and I'm still not impressed. But, but that's the that's what they're gonna have to do, and I know that's yeah. <laughs> I'm wrong, but it's true. It's gonna have to funnel through James Harden once again. They're gonna have to let James Harden loose a little bit. They're gonna have to. I, I think he's been so good about realizing his role with the team that we for we forgot what he could do if he was, if he was given the avenue. So they're gonna have to open it up a little bit 
and run the offense through him mainly. I know they go through KD a lot, and when Kyrie's there, Kyrie, they run the offense through Kyrie, but James Harden's going to have to have the ball in the sand probably like 65% of the time doing what he does. Iso, Iso, uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, vision and slashing and the one-two games. So they're going to funnel a lot through James Harden for them to stay afloat without KD. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, looking at the East with the Bulls being up top, but they they have kind of like experienced some some tough losses against elite teams. And we, we, we kind of see, even though they're, they're talented, they're still kind of like not at that experience level where we can kind of trust them like to go deep. And then Miami is 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 playing very well. Milwaukee is is still obviously the the, the defending champs and and at, at a top four spot in the East. Like, and even Cleveland, like Cleveland is still very competitive in the East. Like, like what team kind of like stands out to you in terms of like the top tier of the East that, that you really feel as though like has a has a good shot to, to go far? Chicago, I think Chicago. Really? Yeah, I think Chicago has the ability to go all the way. You look at the number one right now for you know, ahead of Miami, but you look at what they've done and how they re revamp their lineup and bringing in Alonzo, bringing in DeMar, Zach, Zach going, you know, understanding he had an improvement his game from the three pointer, from finishing at the rim, from playing defense, all the stuff they, they've done, they're going to go get Caruso. They got all, they answered a lot of questions and now they're reaping the benefits of being number one over the East. That's over Milwaukee. That's over Philly. That's over Brooklyn. I think the Chicago has it, and they've been out of the last couple of games. Saying Alonzo, yeah. Demar, I mean Alonzo, exactly. Me. So Demar was the only guy there, and we've seen Demar do a lot of things that he did with Toronto. So I think Chicago has the ability to go all the way. Those guys play great basketball, and when you have Caruso and some other guys coming off the bench, man, it looks good. It's hard to deny. Very true. Yeah, they they, they really have. Um, just kind of defied expectations in terms of just how this initial season will go for them. Um, now, just listening to to our album reviews and to start off with um, Four Days from a Bird's Eye View. Um, in his latest sophomore album, you know, kind of we see him torn between marveling um, at the glory of his come up story and then ruminating on the difficult path um, he, he got to to get there. Um, this also is the type of follow up from a, just a gifted lyricist who is utilizing um, the artistic license that not only comes with you know an increased budget but also connections to the upper echelon of, of collaborators, but so you just like what were your thoughts on this album, and do you think it was just a proper follow up and continuation um, after the Lost Boy? Oh, for sure, this was a solid, yeah. solid, solid album. And I think we were talking um, with you and Reese on the last on the last podcast about just his cadence, his demeanor when he raps. Yeah. His his hooks are so simplistic, but they hit properly. They they're they're everlasting when you listen to them. Like a song like. Um, what you want from me? He he kind of like flaunts oh, his ability to create a different melody and the melody that, that lingers on. What do you want? From, like it's just like different things. Like his cadence, his voice, it just resonates and sticks with every beat. His beat and production um, choice were top tier. He's a great lyricist, mm-hmm. like you said. This album, man, from beginning to end, and it flowed well. I like how you talked yes. about sequencing. Ex- that's big, and with the album, with the follow up, so album. huge. Man, and being able to hone in on things that you like talking about your best friend who got shot and killed, who was the first guy to um, be the man in your group or talking about your mom's hood or talking about your old high school or like stuff like like that's really and being able to put in an art form that's really dope. He has some great songs on here, some great artists featuring on here, too. But I think this was a solid album. Solid. Definitely. 
I mean, a lot of times we see with artists, there's a sophomore slump. Like, th- th- this wasn't one at all. No. I mean, he, he th- this was a really solid project. Like, in terms of, like, I, I, like even as you mentioned, I think uh, Want For Me was a really yeah. good track. Um, Jean-Michel, uh, C. Yeah. Carter, Chronicles. I mean, like, mm-hmm. those were kind of some of my top ones. But, like, wh- what were kind of some of your favorites in this one and ones that you kind of go back and listen to? Every one, as you just said, I like Westlake High. I love his, yeah. his flow on there. Um, Chronicles was a dope one. Sinister, I already said I, I was in love with Sinister. Yes. Mm, Mama Sue got me. Mm. I didn't know Corday was from That's those. I didn't know Corday was from those those parts. So it just gave me another another side of it because I thought Corday because he used to always talk about playing AAU basketball, a lot of stuff he never literally talked about like the hood side to it. And now you just, you just say, Oh, okay. Now, okay. You learn more about, I think this project made me learn more about him as an individual than an artist. And then in one for me is my favorite one, hands down, favorite one on his, on his album. Like I, like I played it over. I was like, Oh, so much versatility in that. Yeah. So much versatility in that track, man. Yes. I, I like that. I didn't know he can like hold a tune like that. I didn't know that. <laughs> it, 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 it really, it really caught me off guard because there were just so many parts in this album that that you you can just see like he, this was just an improvement and development in terms of uh, his his debut album, but also like he he's kind of gotten to comp- some comparisons to maybe a J Cole and like even J- Jamil. He was talking to me a couple of days ago. Like he feels as though he could be the Nas of this generation. Like, do you think mm-hmm. there's any other artist that he kind of like? seems like or, or maybe a similar to from, from the past. J. Cole, for sure. I think Nas yeah. is to be considered or similar, have similarities to Nas, you have to be a little bit nonchalant. Corday sure. not nonchalant um, when he raps. You know, Nas is a dude who just, just you know, floats on the beat and it looks like oh, yeah. he's just, it's just timeless. He just, I'm really bobbing my head back and forth because that's how you do. Corday is a guy who can get hyped. Even when Nas is hyped, it still like he's nonchalant. So <laughs> exactly, he has yeah. a, a different different style in his own. I think that was make Nas so great because he has his own yeah. particular style. Not, not just sound, but style. Like Rakim oh. had it, he created a style. Um, Biggie created his own style. Even Pop created his own style. So For to sure. be able to be have similarities, you have to create your own style. And Corday. Word of the day. Yeah, hey, look. <laughs> sound of the day, style. Sound of the day. <laughs> but no, I think... What if that was a new soundbite? What if that was a new soundbite for the podcast where she's put it in frequently? <laughs> you got to have style. <laughs> that's dope. But no, man, I definitely think J. Cole, for sure. Corday, I think that's why he hit so hard when he first came, mm-hmm. like, got into it. Because I think he did, like, a freestyle or something like that. And um, mm-hmm. he sounded, like, a little bit like J. Cole. He has, like, Similar style of J. Cole. So, yeah, I think J. Cole is a more better similarity or comparison than not. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and now just think to, to Earl, Earl Sweatshirt's latest album, Sick. Um, in this new album, he just brings just a lot of grit and menace as he shows um, an amazing musical ear and, and pick, you know, riveting instrumentals to rap confidently on. Um, as a lot of this project feels just effortlessly like the type of artist he really is at, at, really is at the <sighs> core. But in terms of just, you know, how refined and resilient this album was, what are kind of kind of some of your thoughts on on just the sonic feel to this and the art, artistic reset that he showed? Nope, this ain't it. You didn't like it. He he let me down. He mm. let me down. Joe Budden said the same thing. <laughs> he 
Joe, Joe Budden didn't even listen to it. Joe Budden said the same thing. Like, bro, like I was so hyped. I'm telling you, Joe, 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 Joe really be he really is on it. He really he like he's got a post for the culture. Yeah, bro. I, I say what you want about Joe Budden. Joe Budden be speaking facts most times. He be speaking facts. I'm telling you. And he's man enough to apologize on some stuff too. That's what I like about Joe. He'll yes, talk crap, it. and then he, once he's wrong, he was like, you know what? I was wrong. Like the Drake thing, he was like, man, now nah, what's called fire? Like I'm tripping. I don't know what else. Yeah. So like, this wasn't it, Earl. What the heck, bro? I was so super excited. I even deleted it from my library. Oh my god. I was so upset. Oh man. I was like, what, bro? Come on, Earl. I was just bragging about you the last podcast. It wasn't there. It's not. Now you're like, now I got to go back. Now I got to go back. <laughs> yes. Now I got to continue to listen to your old stuff because this wasn't it. I don't know. I just didn't vibe with it. It's not like I love how he raps. I love his kid. I love everything he does as a rapper, but I did not gel with this album. And I was like, oh, and, oh, and, what? Yeah, I mean, and, and with that, like in terms of. When, when you have an artist that you you kind of admire their older work and then they, they put out something that that's maybe like underwhelming to you like do you feel as though sometimes it, it's them like going away from what they they used to do or is it just like it, it, it didn't have the same like initial feel to you there's a lot of variables that go into it. it's all about timing too I think sure. he dropped this in a weird space dropped in the beginning of the year I think he should have dropped another single let it up bring it back and then reconvene i just i don't know i just it, it wasn't nothing different that he he does he did in the past it was just like this awesome i'm surprised you didn't like it yeah exactly I'm surprised you didn't, wow exactly <laughs> i was super excited i played it i was like okay maybe that's just the intro okay then i put you know went through it again i'm just like okay that wasn't really and then like i'm trying to get into it like i want to get into it like i'm i'm mm. a i like earl the swisher his is He's got that nonchalant. I like nonchalant rappers too. Like yes. he's so nonchalant. His flow is just like when imagine. I love that. Yeah, I like that flow. But this wasn't there for you. Oh, so sad. Well, it's it. I, <laughs> like I, if any album I wanted to be into, it was Earl Sweatshirt. It was this album, one because he hasn't one. really dropped in like five, six years. A while, man. Goodness. A while, man. Oh well. <laughs> we start off with a high note, end it with a. <laughs> um, but 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 now transitioning to, to FK Twig's latest um uh, latest self self declared mixtape Capper songs. Um, you know, in this project, she brings just in a lot of ephemeral pop tunes and finds just kind of different sonic grounds. Is not only is this project auto- autobiographical, but also displays how Twig is leaning into more bop led tracks and even trap infused R and B. But um, what were some of your thoughts on this mixtape and the, the maybe the standout elements in it? Once again, well, until you find the people I have not heard before, <laughs> um, I thought it was, I thought it was dope. I think she has a similar sound to Weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, even even their songs together, I was like, of, of course, this is who this sounds like. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Weekend. Um, we know that. <laughs> you weren't high on that. You weren't high on that. I, <laughs> I, I love that you know me, man. I'm not a big fan of, but I love. Her features, Daniel yeah, Caesar. You know she has Remo in there. Like I like the feature. Yeah, Georgia too. No, we don't talk about Georgia because she broke. Yeah, I, I, she I forgot. Broke I'm sorry. Her I forgot. Heart. I forgot. I'm sorry. We can't do that. <laughs> she broke her heart. 
She drove the certified love. Is there anything heart. Georgia can do to like to, to like change that? Uh, like, no, like Georgia, what can? <laughs> Georgia's solidified, man. Georgia, I love yeah. I love her voice. I love her music. Georgia, she can put out anything, and I'll be Definitely. like, you know what, Drake, you messed that up, Drake, you messed it up. <laughs> but nah, she, I just like saying it because she, she broke the certified love boy's heart. <laughs> you jazzy, you t- yeah, never mind. Maybe that was his worst heartbreak ever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but now this <laughs> this album was it was it was okay. Interesting. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's just sound like the weekend to me. I'm not to that type. And, and I mean, like, like, like with us seeing like the features that she had in it. Like, do you feel as though sometimes with albums like this, especially when you have like artists artists that you're bringing on that they stand out more than maybe you stand out like do you feel as though that was maybe maybe another takeaway as as to why this project project just wasn't maybe as as one that you really liked as much um not necessarily i think which was a great question by the way wellington i i, I think it's a mixture of the two i think it's a mixture of the sound and then mm-hmm. i don't think anybody who featured like the weekend i'm thinking out did her with his verse I don't think Daniel Caesar outdid her. Like I think they, I think it was perfectly the mixture of the two artists. It's just like right. the sound of the music. I think it's your personal. Um, not this was I, a very different sound. It was a very different sound. If you're not used to it or not in the realm of this type of music or artist, you're not going to gel with it. It's not going to resonate as much as another artist. Like you know, mm. so I, I think it's a mixture of the two. Sometimes art features will. <laughs> Kill the artist. <laughs> oh yeah, it would just come and just murder the the, the song, and then the artist is like, "Dang!" But it, uh, why did I bring you on? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad I did. People are listening to it, but like, ah, you didn't have to blow up the water like that. But I think it's is more mostly the sound. I think it, yeah. you have to personally love the sound, and mm. I just don't personally love the sound. That sound. Yeah, she has a good. She has a she's she's a good artist, but sound wise, I'm not. And I'm pretty sure you 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 like this album. I actually did. I actually did. I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, and, 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 and like to me, it was one of those things where I I feel I feel as though she, I always like listening to albums that are, that are unique and not like like the albums that I typically listen to. And I feel mm-hmm. as though like this was one of, it was one of those escape albums or escape mixtapes where it really was like a different type of um core sound and and how she infused the fe- the features to me like really like that was one of the most impressive things because like as you said she didn't let them overtake them mm-hmm. they were they were still able to like be infused right along with what with what her vision was um but but not just listening to, to jid surrounds latest latest single surround town with 21 savage and baby tate um in this new single jid just you know has a soul sampling a posse cut from maritha franklin and producers dj scheme Christo, and nuri stay faithful to amayatola's interpretation of the eureka track and tweaking a little to give it um a more ominous feel but both Jid and 21 Savage, you know, attack both their verses with, you know, out he- hesitation, even near the end as the beat slows down. It gives, you know, more of trap elements as, as Jid really j- j- just takes over um, the track. But to you, kind of like, what were your initial thoughts of this single and just maybe some of your expectations for what Jid has coming up next? Ooh, <clears throat> I've always respected Jid's uh, lyricism, his bars, his cadence, as well. Like, it's his whole ensemble as an artist, man. This was no... Yeah. No difference. He just, even the beats, which, like you said, man, he just went stupid on it. I thought 21 Savage fit this perfectly well. Killed I, it, man. I'm and, telling you, he's been killing off features lately. 
Yes, he has. And that's a test to the artists. I think they picked the right songs for 21 Savage to to get on and to be able to get his sound and incorporate it with their sound and his style. I think it was, was perfect for, I don't know who thought about 21 to be on his own. Maybe it was Cole. Maybe it was, uh, was Jed. But I think they gelled perfectly well. Obviously, Jid was the better rapper. Obviously, oh yeah. But I think Twenty One Savage held held his own on this verse, um, on this song and on this verse. So, yeah, yeah, man. This this was this was definitely a hip hop hip hop track, and I love the beat switch up. And then you just see how versatile Jid is, man. It's just crazy how versatile he is. We need the new album. We need the new album. Oh, for as sure. Soon as possible. Goodness. For sure. We need it. And then um, Earth Gang. I'm waiting for Earth Gang to drop. I'm, I like Earth Gang. They're dropping at the end of the month, twenty uh, eighth, January twenty eighth. Really. They didn't say it on a TikTok. Maybe I was I didn't look at the right video because I, I follow them on TikTok. They're funny. Her game. Spill the those even. two projects are going to be a really intriguing, intriguing to hear. Oh, for sure. I'm waiting for Spill the Drops drop some too, which is mm-hmm. all three of them and some other people. Which is her I didn't know they were. Do you, do you think Cole's going to? You think Cole's going to drop another project? No, not this year. I think he's, because, because, because I know he had the fall off as the last one, and then it's a boy right before it. And some people were speculating that he might do it this year, but right coming right after right after an album, I, I doubt he would push hard again. Yeah, because I think he's he's transitioning out, so he's trying yeah. to be a father. He's trying to be a take like, his time. Yeah, take his time with different other avenues. Like he played basketball last year. He was in a whole. I don't have time to drop year. albums. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was, he's, <laughs> he's trying to figure out himself. I feel like he's trying to. Figure I like out that himself. too. Yeah, outside of. The music, you know, music was his foundation and platform. Now he's figuring out, like, you know, he got other stuff to deal with. I don't want him to drop another album because that yeah, not back to back years. I kind of like my favorite artists to take like two or three years in between now. Besides Drake, I feel like Uh, Drake should drop every year. Oh, he's gonna drop something. He's gonna drop like a, a more life part two or a dark lane out of nowhere too. And save and after and when we're doing the review, Savon's gonna be like. Drake drop? <laughs> no, I'm gonna know if Drake drop. Like yeah, yeah. His, his other guy. But it's like, always the morning of that you find out. It's always the morning of that you find yeah, out. And I'm like, yo, he, he dropped. Because <laughs> sometimes I don't get on Instagram and I don't I'm I'm, I'm not on Twitter, so I'm, I'm only on Instagram. Yeah. Really. Facebook, it, no, nobody's no artist really on nobody's Facebook says something. <laughs> it's Instagram. So if I don't get on Instagram, I'll be like, wait, wait, wait. It, I'll find out if I go to my library and I go to the artist. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Drake drops something? What? It's, it's something new. <laughs> I got to review this. <laughs> I got to do that. But I say that for uh, J. Cole because I didn't like last album. The off season. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of Juice. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Juice review. And to start with the overview, Juice is a 1992 crime thriller directed by Ernest R. Dickerson and written by Dickerson and Gerard Brown, starring Omar Epps, Kupak Shakur, Jermaine Hopkins, and Khalil Kane. Um, the film touches on the lives of four Black youths growing up in Harlem, um, following their day-to-day activities, their struggles with police harassment, rival neighborhood gangs, and their families. Um, the film is the writing directorial debut of Dickerson and features Shakur in his acting debut. Um, the film was shot in New York City, mainly in the Harlem area in 1991. Had a budget of $5 million and brought in 20.1 million in the box office. I'm um, also at a 79% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, to, before we get into the topics, it started off like, what were kind of some of your thoughts on this coming of age story and just, you know, it having an effective social message as, you know, we just reached the 30 year anniversary of it and people are, are still talking about this film? Man, do you know how many people, actors are in this movie, man? Goodness, man. Omar Epps, Samuel Jackson, Queen Latifah. Latifah. 
Um, uh, Khalil Kane, who's who's he's, who's on low on the radar, but he was a good actor. There's a yeah. lot of good people in this in this in this film, man. But just yo, this is I didn't I don't remember watching it when I was younger. But when I got older to understand the the plot and all that stuff, I think this was a phenomenal, great movie that was low budget. Just imagine if they had a bigger budget. Just imagine to be excellent and low budget is, is, is that's crazy. Hard. To do. <laughs> that's crazy. That's extremely hard to do. But man, yeah, man, these this catapulted a lot of young guys, especially Omar Epps, man. Um, Definitely. Who his catalog is just crazy so too, man. It's yeah. so deep, man. So yeah, I thought this this film was really dope. Definitely. And now getting into our topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would give it four as this is just a really compelling story as with it being centered around friendship and social issues that plague trouble youths. It just contains a lot of admirable characters that were placed into the NYC culture perfectly. Um, but to you kind of like from, from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating for? I'll give it a three. Um, okay. I'll give it a three stars. I just some moments of the film I thought <laughs> were, I don't know maybe wouldn't have made the film. Maybe it could have been like a deleted scene or something. I yeah, think this is just nitpick- yeah, this is just nitpicking for some. Um, I think because it was such a low budget film that they weren't able to get certain shots that they needed. Um, right. But I think for a whole, for the foundation of the film, that's why I give it three stars. It's just like nitpicking. If I didn't nitpick, I would have gave it four stars. But just the foundation of the film, I think was so strong that it resonated with a lot of people. So I think that's why I gave it a strong three. But if I did Because certain it, shots, yeah. certain shots, you were like, yeah, like, like, yeah. like they could, they, they, they could have used that, that higher budget. Yeah, exactly. Just coming from a Phil, a Phil or in a, um, a videographer standpoint, you just like, ah, they missed out. I know you looking at it. <laughs> it kind of bugs you probably looking at it. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I can't watch movies. I was like, why yeah. did they do the shaky shot? Why did they do the handheld shot? Right. They that could have been a, a sliding, you know what I mean? Just little nitpicking Definitely. stuff. But I think overall, this was a three. Okay, I'll give it a four. I'm not going to nitpick. <laughs> Whoa, you just... Because I'm, <laughs> I'm nitpicking on the quality I of the film. You. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> the quality of the film because it was low budget. Yeah, But no. I'll give it a four. I- I'll have to give it a four. <laughs> um, but, but now getting into our second topic, favorite character. Um, For me, it was Q as, you know, yeah. him being the protagonist of the film, he's just really put in the middle of deciding, you know, Obviously, whether to compete in the, in the DJ competitions or in, in order to earn respect or go along with uh, with committing a, a crime with his friends, to you, kind of like who was your overall character in this uh, overall favorite character in this film? Bishop. Bishop was yeah. the enforcer. Okay, um, <laughs> he was funny. He was a funny guy. He was a normal. Like when he laughed in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, bro. He's a normal <laughs> New York guy. Like he's just the enforcer. He yeah. was the bad guy. He played the bad guy really well. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's some great seeds in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, my it's goodness. so good. But I think Bishop was my favorite because he played, he knew the statistics shows he was supposed to be that type of guy. He's like, you know what? Since people already think I'm that guy, I'm going to be that guy. So I think he played it to, and then, I mean, obviously, Tupac is a, a great actor, but he's, I feel like he That was another thing. That yeah, actor. that was another thing I wanted to get into because, like, with, with the career that Tupac had, and then obviously seeing him, him in this role, like, like, what was it just... In terms of just looking back at the legacy that he left and then even being in a film like this, like how did that even just even maybe deepen the the type of person and performer that he was in, in just different aspects, as, as obviously in music and even in the film industry? 
I think that's what he truly was. Because you go to Juilliard, you don't go to Juilliard just off a whim. You have to be good at what you're pursuing. And he was good at film. He was good at being an actor. You see that in Poetic Justice. You see that in Juice. You see that in Bubba Rim. It's a lot of other films that he, he was in, you know? And you see how good of the athlete was. I feel like he should have pursued that. We've seen how many rappers like Method Man, like Ice-T, We've seen comedians like Kevin Hart, other guys, Jim Carrey, come in and take over the film world when they, that wasn't their number one, um, number one uh, profession. So I feel like with Tupac should have instead of rapper, man, I feel like Tupac should have just pursued film. The man was awesome at being film, even his cameos, and I think he was a cameo in um, what's the spinoff for the Cosby. Oh, um, was it Hill- Hillman? Hillman. I don't think. Was it called Hillman? Then, no, a different world. Different a di- world. No, no, not okay. a different world. Not a different world. Was it? It a was different? a. You said it was a spinoff for the Cosby Show. A different world was a spinoff for the Cosby Show, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> With Lisa Bonet. Yeah, listen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I didn't get into a different world like that. But he, okay, even yeah. his cameo then, it's just like he should have just been an actor instead of trying. Definitely, to- man. It's it's so obvious when you look back at it. Yeah, he was really good. He was really he had he had range too. I think he could have played any role, given Definitely. the opportunity. Um, and, and now getting into most memorable scenes. Um, I had the the DJ battle where Q puts his DJ skills against the reigning champ. Mm-hmm. Um, robbery gone wrong where Bishop deviates from the plan during a corner store robbery. Um, also the the morning murder scene, wrestling for the gun scene. Um, the mm-hmm. uh, picking up vinyl scene where Q uh, distracts a shopkeeper while his friends pocket records. Then finally, you got the juice now where Bishop and Q fight until um, Bishop hangs on for his life. Um, but but to you, like, looking back at this, like, what were some of the memorable scenes in this one that were kind of the standouts? Oh, all of those. When, <laughs> no, 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 no. When Q thought he was in the clear. Oh, yeah. In the elevator. And then he <laughs> looked up and he was like, oh. Oh God, oh God! I'm not clear. <laughs> that scene when it, him and Bishop is talking, when he put the finger to gun, he was like, "Bro, what what are you doing, bro?" And then the scene where he was having intercourse with one of the teachers, and then he was at the house with the with the uh, with the ex husband, and I thought I was like, "Oh, whoa, like <laughs> what's going on, man?" And the dude was a butthole, bro. It was like he was, he was such a jerk. Oh my bro, God, bro, you don't have to do all that, bro. Like. Don't go. I Way too it. extra. Way too extra. <sighs> I'm so glad that bugged you because that was killing me. I'm like, this guy right here, man. This <laughs> you do it, bro. Just because you made it out and you made some name for yourself, that kid's trying to do the same thing. And he's exactly. pleasing your wife that you never yeah. could do. You, you couldn't do it, man. You, you couldn't do it. He's doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> he's pulling it off. <laughs> he's doing it the right way. Hey, come on. <laughs> Um, but, but now getting into most memorable quotes, um, I had, um, you got to get the ground beneath your feet, partner, get the wind behind your back and go out in a blaze if you got to from Bishop. Um, you got the juice now, man. Also, you need to have respect for me from Bishop. Um, I control my life from skill. I've known a lot of killers since they were kids from trip. And then finally, you know me better than that from Q. Um, to you kind of like, what, what were some of the quotes in here that, that you really, uh, feel as though were just maybe some of the, the top ones and, and the most memorable? Oh, <laughs> almost go for Bishop, man. Oh, I yeah. thought Bishop... He, he took it away. He took, the, he took the category away. He did, man. I think he said, you need to have respect for me. I was almost your father, but the lie was too yeah. long. <laughs> that was... <laughs> <laughs> he said, and then he was like, oh, one, if I lose, 
I'll talk about the video. One, if I lose, I'm going to beat that butt. Two, if I lose, I'm going to beat that butt. So pop two quarters in, pop tart, let's get this game on. <laughs> I'll be getting that butt. Like, bro, that's funny, bro. That's everyday talk to. Like, they they embody the everyday, like, everyday functioning of people in New York, black people in New York, the cops in New York, like, the whole nine. They... It resonated so much. I think that's why people love this film because they see themselves. Mm-hmm. Like that's like Absolutely. that's my friends, is, except for the robbing and all the other stuff. That's been except my for the, cr- the crime, the crime. Yeah, the crime. We, our crime was a little less than that. Like you know, it wasn't you know trying to have a gun and rob the jury. I mean the you know corner store, but we had our mischievous stuff. We did things like you can see yourself ingrained into these four guys. So I mean. Yeah, man. This, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, but, uh, before we get to our next topic, looking at even Omar Epps' career uh, mm. and, some, and some of the other films he was in, you know, like Love and Basketball, yes. um, The Wood, Higher Learning, Into yes. Deep, like what, what we're kind of just in terms of looking back at this movie and how his career just developed and expanded, like what are some of your takeaways from what he's been able to do and even how this film catapulted, you know, what he's into now? Man, this film gave him the avenue to get into uh the acting world because some black actors only play like thug roles or the young role yeah. like boys to hood role type like they it got him in the door but his true talent allowed him to be in a movie love and basketball the wood the intro deep what i feel like one of his best films ever oh yes his versatility like Yo, like this movie gave him the avenues to be able to do those things and show his versatility, show his range. But this gave him the door opening. You know, there's a lot of guys in here that it was gave him the opportunity. Even Fletch, Fletch was in here for a little bit, and then he went on to get his own show. Um, Khalil Kane was in here. He he's been on a lot of sitcoms. One, I think one uh, was Girlfriends. He was I forgot. He was one of the girls' husband. Like, so this these this movie gave these guys opportunities to get into the acting world, even with yeah. the role that is in. But I think for Omar, it catapulted him to his stardom, man. And I didn't know he was even a, even a higher degree. Yeah, and I didn't know he was cousins with uh uh Mike Epps. Oh wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen Goodness. that on Facebook for the last couple of weeks. I did not see that. Yeah, they're actually that. like man. cousins, and I was like. <laughs> And people's like, I didn't even know how we why we didn't put that together. Epps, but you know, yeah, everybody, Epps, got, everybody <laughs> got the last name, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know, cousins with every Morris, so like I understood. <laughs> but you were like, oh, they're cousins. That's dope, bro. Like, it's really dope. Yeah. Wow. Um, and now transitioning to, to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to to me, just how it conveyed a message about the daily struggles and choices local youth have to you know juggle when it comes to being in a violence riddled environment and who wants to make the right decision. That was really like just one of the, 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 the main elements in it that I feel as though was highlighted very well. Right. Um, so you kind of like what particular element about the storyline did you like the most? That it, that it portrayed the perfect New York environment, perfect, perfect. inner city environment, whatever terminology when it's used, it was perfectly um, portrayed. And I think yeah. they did a great job, even with the low budget, of trying to continue to, with each scene, portray that. Even though my skepticism on some shots, <laughs> I feel like they did a good enough job with the budget they had to be able to portray and, and let it resonate to the audience. Because now I don't think this is just 
a project for the black community. I think a lot of communities have watched this movie because it has so many stars in it, like Tupac, Omar Epps, and guys, and people really like watching these type of movies. So I think Samuel Jackson can just be in any movie. Any movie. And then Quill Any movie anytime, literally. We'll put him in anywhere. <laughs> Can't forget the queen. Queen play, yeah. Yes, queen, queen, queen can play any role. She's she's like, yo, she's yeah, 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 yeah. She's so. definitely one of those legends who rappers. Oh, how did I forget to mention how she was a rapper and transitioned? Yeah, she's rapping. Yeah, yeah, transitioned into acting and like literally all her freaking films and movies. Even bring the hot, bring the house down oh, was yeah. such a good movie with Steve <laughs> Martin, bro. Like, <laughs> it's so funny, bro. <laughs> I would never thought in a million years that duo would have worked, but it worked, worked so good. Oh, I still love oh that movie. Goodness. Yeah. Um, but 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 now getting into our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Obviously, it, it is sur- surpassed and just stood the test of time so well. And as we see with the majority of these actors, how they were able to get to get the right startups and the the ph- phenomenal performances in it, and just seeing the, the bond these friends had. And then how the second half it just completely shifts. Um, to you, like, what do you think will make this watchable even another decade from now for for even newer viewers that haven't seen this film? Who mainly the actors because you know, right? Yeah, we've seen these movies regenerate themselves in in, in different forms, and I think when you have uh, the old school films like Boys in the Hood, Juice, uh, it's a, the list goes on of these type of films, and then you lose sight because everybody just like recycles them and do their own twists of movies like this. But when you yeah. look at this film, you look at the actors in it, you look at a lot of people, young guys know who Tupac is now. And then they're going to look at, oh, he was an actor. Oh, these are the movies you played in. Oh, man, that's crazy. And then definitely loving basketball. If you love loving basketball, you're Phenomenal. thinking like, oh, my Epps. Oh, he played in this too. That's crazy. So the actors, the, the amount of time they put into this storyline and how it resonates and how it's, and you can see yourself portrayed into it, I think that's what makes it a uh, watching film for decades and eons to, to come. Definitely. Um, well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along my kind of part, Save Our Morse. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>